your boy Mario C, aka another Mario C, aka the other Mario C, and I'm here with my man Adrian holding it down on a centennial episode, keeping it 100 like a straight A student. But seriously, Adrian, thank you for all you've done with your podcast, helping out fellow creators like myself. We owe you a debt of gratitude, and we love you, man. Congratulations. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. I'm Eileen. So, needless to say, it's been a while. And I know the question that a lot of people had was, what are you going to do for episode 100? And believe me, I had a lot of ideas. As someone who has never really gone for it or went for it, however you want to, you know, phrase it, in creating this show, I had found something that I hadn't had before. Now, obviously, I can't take full credit because a lot of that comes from a friend of mine and former co-host, Atlas, because originally uh, the show was called Agent and Atlas Have Issues, and for about some 40 episodes, the show was simple. Um, basically, it'd be me, very drunk, in his uh, bedroom in Patterson, New Jersey, because around the corner from his apartment, um, I feel like I told a story so many times before, but... There's this little uh, bodega around the corner from his house and a Chinese food spot next to it, which is actually really good food. But point being, I guess they must have known that like every week there'd be like this one uh, heavyset black guy who would come into the store and buy Blue Moon because, well, if you know the area, they're not really big Blue Moon drinkers there. But they knew this guy must buy it, so hey, we should probably start stocking it. Only problem was they, they never would keep it in the uh, freezer for too long, or for refrigerator, rather. And it'd always be, like, piss warm by the time I get to it. But I think about those days a lot lately. Only because, and in doing this show, it has been a, a blessing that I could not even describe. It's a feeling that, in order to articulate, I feel like it had to be something very awkward. Like, a lot of interpretive dance and a lot of lasers. <laughs> Like, I feel like it'd be like, what was the movie after Saturday Night Fever Staying Alive? The John Travolta one? Oh, Lord. Where, like, he was doing, like, the musicals, but it was all, like, the smokes and lasers and the unitars with the headbands. Like, that very, like, avant-garde, like, almost, like, very experimental type of theater. With a lot of hip thrusting? Yeah, a lot of <laughs> hip thrusting. But I feel like it, it takes something that grandiose and ridiculous to really share just how much doing the show has meant to me and also my life. Part of me has always thought, Adrian, you finally did it. You finally did that thing that you said you wanted to do for a long time. Because growing up, I've always wanted to perform. Um, I remember very vividly when I was a kid, probably, what, two, three years old. So I was basically making my own music videos. I used to write my own songs. They weren't even words. I could barely... This was before I was able to even really fully talk yet. But I used to make my own songs. And uh, I used to, like, draw album art. I've just... And, you know, listening to the radio, I've always wanted to be a DJ. And, of course, you know, growing up around uh, people who are uh, very big music snobs. In, the, in an awesome way, mind you. Well, until I came along. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you know, I've always wanted to be that guy, like that Matt Penfield type who would be able to rattle off encyclopedic knowledge of music or video games or wherever it was. And to just create a space where basically I can give my views on what I thought was cool. And not that, oh, because I think it's cool, everybody else should like it too. But I just always wanted to do a version of this. It never really felt attainable. You know, growing up, and um, Eileen can attest to this, is that, you know, you had to be a certain type of person to do that. If you're lucky, you had to be, you know, you'd have to go to school for it and know the right people and, you know, grease a lot of palms. But in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years, something wonderful happened. Podcasting happened. It was this format where, you know, somebody can easily take a laptop and a microphone or not even a laptop and a microphone, or maybe in a computer, maybe even later on like a phone, any recording device, and upload it and put their views out there. And it changed the world. And it's funny, something that's so significant in a lot of ways still feels so insignificant because as prominent as podcasting has become, it's still very much in its infant stages. This format exists where people can put their views into the world but we don't need certain gatekeepers that used to exist. Discovering that for myself kind of just blew the lid open for me in ways I wasn't even expecting. But the last three years, 100 episodes have been just unbelievable. But with that, there's been difficulties. There's been a lot of hardships, a lot of starts and stops, episodes that haven't gotten recorded, um laptops that literally caught fire (laughs) a lot of things that have happened that honestly should have made us quit and there's been times where i thought to myself why am i bothering to do this what is it about my views that i feel that are so important that they need to be shared with everybody else but then i think about me being in that room and like i said i have to i can't talk about this show and what this show means to me without going back to the beginning. I may have told this story on another episode. I think it was like our thank you episode or in the value. I forget because we did a couple of episodes kind of talking about all the behind the scenes. But early on, my microphone was more beat up than this one. It was not a very good quality mic. The stand was the same one I'm using now. The only difference is this one is rigged a little bit differently. We didn't have no studio. We didn't have like a cool setup, no crane mics. He'd be at his computer and I'd sit at the edge of his bed and on the table that looks just like this one, like those wooden folding ones. And since his bed sat a lot higher than the laptop, I'd have to stack video game cases on top of each other. So that way in the head, because the microphone stand didn't extend that high. Mm. So I had to literally just make my own, like literally just stand it up on a couple of DVD cases so that way it can reach <laughs> mouth level. And matter of fact, there's a picture of it, I think, uh, somewhere. I remember taking a picture of, I think, what was one of the first, if not the first, episode we ever recorded. Oh, wow. And honestly, from a professional podcasting standpoint, someone would look at that and say, what the fuck is this kid doing? Look at this setup. There's no soundboard here. There's no mixer. There's no, you know, high-class recording equipment. Look, he's got like a $300 Toshiba... And like these little, you know, microphones, whatever, but it didn't matter. All I knew was that my buddy and I 
we had conversations on a week-to-week basis that we felt were so funny and just so out of it. Matter of fact, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you a clip from what was our eighth episode. Um, I think it was titled, It's Dark Out There. And I'm going to try my best not to spoil it, but throughout the show, we kind of adopted Phoenix Jones as our unofficial mascot. <laughs> and Eileen's laughing because obviously, you know, she, she knows all about that. But for those who may not know, Phoenix Jones is a MMA fighter, uh, slash, well, no, you called him, what did you call him before? Self-anointed, uh, superhero. <laughs> yeah. And I, I try not to knock a man's hustle, but it, it was very jarring because before this happened, it, it blew our minds. Like, it was just so fascinating. And we weren't even talking about him. He showed up. In a completely unrelated uh, discussion on the episode. So we stopped what we were doing and followed this rabbit hole and fell down it. But basically, he's like this, you know, he dresses up in a costume and patrols the streets of Seattle. And, you know, helping make citizens arrest, assisting police and medical personnel. And on, I think it's his website, but he used to write these soliloquies or like these like posts that were very like prose. They almost kind of read like... You know, like, I don't know, the start of, like, a Frank Miller (laughs) uh, comic book. You know, like, you know how he's just very, like, monologue heavy? Where it's, like, (laughs) Sin City, where it's, like, Bruce Willis is driving a car, and he's, like, it's raining out, and the the, the streets are littered (laughs) with trash, but I'm the person that's going to clean it up. You know, that kind of, that very, like, 80s comic book kind of vibe. But I don't know why I thought it would be funny, but I was like, okay, we're we're starting to read it, but then... You know what? Let me stop, because I'm just going to go ahead and play the clip. What you're going to hear is my co-host Atlas reading these posts, but he used to do, like, this voice kind of mimicking um Heisenberg, you know, the alter ego Walter White from uh, Breaking Bad, the AMC show. But this voice, like, that kind of became his default gritty voice. So I basically had him reread these uh, posts from Phoenix Jones in that same voice, and... You'll hear me laughing on a thing, but it's batshit insane. Um, pardon any particular pun, but... It's freaking awesome. It is. All right. So, you know what? I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you hear it, and we'll be right back. Out of curiosity, do you still have the website open? I do. This is kind of like his journal. It's a little weird. Like, for instance, there's the all caps, help me call the police on the police. Yeah. And I won't remain silent. Which one should we click on? Oh, you have help me call the police on the police. Yes. So let's see. Which is kind of strange. This is a really, I actually kind of flipped through this and it's very stream of conscious, like, as if this is supposed to be like a, I don't know if this is just his, like his thoughts. A, a live blog? Maybe it's a live blog. You li- is he live? I'm sorry. Here, okay. We're going we're gonna to play it. This is going to be really fun. Uh-oh. I want you to read this, but you know that voice you do? Uh oh, what? Which, which, uh, which, uh. You're, you're like your pseudo Heisenberg voice. Oh, which, which, uh, which live block, which block? Oh, I'm sorry. The help me call the police on the police. Okay. This one is awesome. <clears throat> Raining outside. Standing in a business doorway, putting the final touches on my uniform. Fuck you. If you want to be like that, I'll just go get my gun. No, fuck you. I already have mine. I overhear these words, react, and start to move toward the suspects. As I get closer, I am overpowered by a funny feeling in my stomach. So I stop. Always trust your gut. Save for my, saved my life more than once. 
I dip out of sight behind a bush, keeping my eyes on the suspect. 911, what is your emergency? I start to explain, but before I can gather a full sentence, Seattle police randomly drive by and see the guy with his hands in his pockets. The officer pops out of the car and asks to see his hands. The man does not comply and starts making his way toward the officer. The officer places his hands on his own gun and repeats the command, Show me your hands! At this point, the man throws both hands up as if to say, This is ridiculous. He turns his back to the officer and starts casually walking away from the cop. The officer now knows he is not armed and proceeds to talk to him. In the middle of the talk, the, t- the man becomes angry and starts to fight with the officer. As I watch them wrestle, I want to help, but I am not sure if I am needed. The wrestling continues, so I yell out, Do you need assistance? At that exact moment, the, baga- the bad guy looks at me and says, Phoenix, help me call the police. I am puzzled by his clear lack of understanding. Backup officers arrive. I hang up with 911 and begin recording. The rest is on this video. Um, didn't he also do a Keanu Reeves impersonation? Yeah, which sounded pretty much exactly like the Heisenberg Phoenix Jones voice. Oh, Lord. But uh, this one, I guess a little bit more set up. In that same episode, uh, we were talking about the fact that... Um, I don't know how we got this... Oh, Keanu Reeves was basically like working on a third Bill and Ted movie. And he gives this very awkward explanation as to why it hadn't happened yet, because he had been talking about it for years. So instead of just basically saying, oh, you know, um, we wrote the script, maybe we're looking for financing or, you know, it's still in the works. You know, just a very typical Hollywood kind of like, oh, we're, it's coming, we're working on it. He basically says something along the lines of, there's a certain darkness out there that's keeping it from happening. Oh my gosh, it goes to this whole bit about he, I don't remember for me, but something like, it's the dark time in the idea, and he may have to do like, there's a lot of subterfuge, and he'll have to do like this independent press sort of conspiracy theory right up about it because it was like I said the dark time of the idea and it's so like wait what what the fuck like <laughs> that's exactly what I was gonna say <laughs> it's just and we again much like the Phoenix Jones thing just completely blew our minds so I had to play this next bit but where <laughs> Atlas does the voice of Keanu Reeves pitching a very interesting movie where'd you in point break you watched that movie <laughs> Cool. All right. Oh, look out because I got some more stuff coming. But if the darkness doesn't return, <laughs> it's looming over all of us. Nice to meet you. Just watch out. It's dark out there. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> like you stole that from Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> all right. <laughs> making a Simon and Garfunkel movie, actually. Yes, but there's a certain darkness that's keeping it from happening. <laughs> also, Paul Simon told me to go fuck off. <laughs> I'll be playing Simon. <laughs> Alex Winter will be playing Garfunkel. <laughs> it is, by the way, this is not Bill and Ted 3. It's a separate movie. There's martial arts in this as well. I'm directing. Hugo Weaving plays Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> that was kind of our show in a nutshell. And we obviously talked comics. But what I think made our show special then was the fact that we did less reviews and we really just did analysis. In between all of the jokes and the irreverent humor and like the bizarre impersonations and me breaking out into song and things like that. We don't have nearly enough impersonations and songs on our show. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I sang on the last one. 
When I was 17, <laughs> I drank a very good beer. <laughs> I drank a very good beer I purchased with a fake ID. <laughs> My name was Brian McGee. I stayed up listening to Queen when I was 17. Ah, but I think about those moments a lot lately. And as the show continues to grow, continues to progress, I never wanted to stop being drunk in that room. And what I mean by that is... We're out of booze. <laughs> I wanted to keep that spirit and why those discussions meant so much. And when creating Aging Has Issues, there was a lot of doubt. This show as it existed would not have happened in a very literal sense without Eileen. Because I was so fixated on what to do with the logo. And one day she basically just sent me an image. And I just went, this is it. This is going to be the launch of the new podcast. The only thing I didn't have was a guest. I honestly could not have picked a better first guest for the show. And I'm actually not even going to intro, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually play something that she actually sent to us. And I think it meant so much because, you know, for reasons that are obvious, maybe not so obvious, she brought that real to the show mm -hmm. and really set the tone for what it was all about. And that was the moment where I'm like, you know what? Yes, I've been reading comic books all my life, and I've even talked to creators at conventions. But to really sit down and hear, like, the, you know, a candid, very intimate story and, you know, this great book. And it's like, okay, how did it get made? When you really get to know people's stories and their journeys and their lives, and you say to yourself, wow, you went through all this to make this book. In turn, that just figured, you know what, that made me not only just a better consumer, but just a better person to realize that whether they're working at Marvel or DC or, you know, Image, Vault, whomever, we're all people and we all have our joys, our pains, you know, our, our struggles, our triumphs. And yet, you know, realizing that's what I wanted the show to be. And I'm going to get to, you know, that part in a minute, but. I wanted this show to basically be about the people behind the books. Because, yeah, you pick up a comic, you say, oh, the writing's good, the writing's bad, it's this and that. I like it, I don't like it. I don't, you know, whatever you get from it. But realizing there are still breathing people behind these works. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's also some really funny shit that some of our guests say. <laughs> and Eileen's laughing because the very first episode title is very weird. It's called The Ballad of Grey Booker. I'm not even going to tell you why that is, but again, I'm going to play this clip. Well, first I'm going to play you the one thing, because I haven't said her name yet, but I figured I'll let her do that, and then I'm going to go play the clip, and you'll see why it was named as such. Hey, Adrian, this is Erica Schultz. Congratulations on 100 episodes. That's such a milestone. And as awesome as that is, though, you're pretty awesome yourself, so I'm not exactly surprised that you hit 100. I'm pretty sure you're probably going to hit 1,000. But we had such a great time when we were talking about Catholic school versus public school. The Ballad of Grey Booker is one of my favorite episodes, probably because I'm on it. So congratulations, Adrian. You do amazing work, and you will continue to do amazing work. I just remember being like, ah, naked butt! <laughs> but in the beginning, you're like, oh, chicks with boobs! You know? So it was like, it was one of those movies where in the first 10 minutes, you get all the tingly feelings. You know? Right? And you're like... Then the body starts dropping, and it's like, it's, it's something for everybody. Exactly! And then you're like, oh my god, why am I feeling this way? <laughs> and that's when you gotta ask, like, the track coach, who's also your health teacher, and, like, teaching sex ed, and you're like... 
Mr. Murphy, why do you get the tingly feelings when you when you watch a dirty movie? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> was it? It was eighth grade. I remember there was a girl in my eighth grade class. Her name was Gray Booker. Gorgeous girl. Gorgeous. I remember we all loved her because she was the only one who had the balls to ask Mr. Murphy why you got the tingly feeling if you saw boobs. <laughs> Ray was my fucking hero. Gray Booker, if you are out there, you are still my hero because Mr. Murphy did not know how to answer that question. And he had to talk about like you, you visual stimulation and he was just not comfortable about that. There you go. There you go. Ray Booker, my fucking hero. Another aspect of this podcast I've always loved is the fact that, you know, it's not even just a deeply personal story. Sometimes our guests, like I said earlier, just say some really just funny shit. And you realize that even in those stories, it still gives you an idea of, like, the stories that they've created. Um... Um, I believe it was episode 10 entitled Star Jammers, which is, um, a reference to both the, uh, spacefaring, uh, group in the X-Men universe, but as well as Jammers, which are, uh, uh, player positions in roller derby. Uh, Mariah Hummer, who is the writer, artist, and creator of Flat Track Furies, which is a comic about, uh, team roller derby girls who also fight monsters in their spare time. It's a really fun book, and I, you know, I don't want to speak on it too much because I don't remember exact details, but I do believe she is currently working on the next issue of that. So uh, do check her out. She's awesome. But we had this great discussion about the comic and what it hopes to do in terms of representation, and it's a great discussion. And at the end of it, though, it took this really kind of fun but unexpected turn where we both found out that we're really huge fans of the Fast and Furious movies. So, what, three episodes later, I had her back on an episode entitled Candy and Car Crashes, which was basically us kind of going through our views on, I think it was up to seven at that point. Yeah, because eight hadn't been announced. So this also is a great example of sometimes the other side of what this podcast is. Something that I found really interesting is um, I was I was kind of wondering, you know, like why the franchises have been so successful other than the fact that they're just like huge action movies. And so I was I was talking about it with somebody and because that's what I do in my spare time. I talk about the Fast and Furious. Um, <laughs> but I came across an article that was saying that part of the reason why it's so successful is because it has a di- it has a diverse cast. It's not just like a bunch of white dudes staring at each other. And I hadn't really thought about that, but let me let me actually just give you some numbers real quick. And this is like the percentage of like ethnicities that went and saw the movie. It was 37% Hispanic, 24% um, African-American, 10% Asian, and 25% white, and 4% is other. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting. Uh, those are worldwide numbers. Yeah, it is wow, really astounding. And I think that that's why it's so successful is because like people want to go see people of other races in movies. And I, I thought that that was just like super refreshing. That's kind of us in a nutshell was making connections to our strange and quirky ways. And it's allowed us to do some really awesome things and allow us to meet some incredible people, some of which we greatly admire. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, while Eileen can tell you a little bit more about that, because, um, I know we've been to like conventions before, mm-hmm. but I know this one you kind of squeed about, which I thought was awesome. But, uh, I know we're going to talk about when we, uh, met Marjorie. 
Yes. Oh my god. Okay, so this was my first con, second con. Special that was your ed- second con. Special, yeah. edu- uh, special uh, edition. And we got to meet Marjorie Liu. And Marjorie Liu is, in her own right, I knew her for many years as a, as a novelist. Writes great paranormal romance, you know, shifters, all kinds of things, whatever. I had been reading her books for years. And then, um, and I had followed her on Twitter and actually would kind of actually interact with her a little bit online, which was awesome. And that was all like, Ee! but, um, at special edition, she was there. Right. Cause I think at that point, I don't remember. I know she had done X23, mm-hmm. which was a great run, but I know, I think she did something else and I'm blanking the, right the now. The wedding. Oh, she wrote the, um, um, well, she was actually doing the run on Astonishing X-Men. Okay. Which featured the, it was the wedding between, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting my X-Men or North Star. Right. Uh, North Star and, uh, his partner, which was a monumental issue. And I mean, it made national headlines and it was a really big deal. And again, with Marjorie kind of helming that, you couldn't have found a better person to talk about that. Right. Well, you know, it was a real honor to write that story. It was very humbling, and it was it was something that really mattered to me. And it was about time, too. But on another level, I mean, for me, I felt like gay marriage was, was a civil rights issue. And I've said this before, but I'm of mixed race. My dad's Chinese. My mom is white. My parents got married in 1978, which was just 10 years after the Supreme Court ruled that it was... Um, that it was illegal to ban mixed marriages, which is kind of insane to think that up until 1968, it was was actually illegal to marry someone of another race. Like that to me just blows my mind. Right. And that's something that people don't really even think about. No, they don't. They certainly don't. They don't realize just how recent that, that ruling actually is in another life, in another world, I probably wouldn't be around, you know, if, if that had not happened. And so for me, the idea that people, can't that people could not get married because they were the same sex just kind of blows my mind like it just it, it doesn't make sense to me at all i really was passionate about this marriage between north star and kyle i felt like i felt like it was time i felt like it was a story that that was important and that it needed to be told that it really needed to be told even before we had gotten to the uh x-men north star thing uh she also told that story because uh, i think it had it was a picture that we saw of her that I, you know, maybe it wasn't the greatest way to start a show, but it's like, I had to have her explain, um, where she tells the story about her at the, uh, the range. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical. I was at a range. We were accidentally, um, our, our flight was canceled out of Honolulu. So we were stuck in Hawaii. This was like three years ago or something, which is a terrible thing to be stuck in Honolulu an extra day. So we were, <laughs> we were just wandering around and we stumbled upon a gun range in the middle of downtown Honolulu near the beach. And so we just kind of, it was like on the second story of a mall or something. So we went upstairs after lunch and we're poking around and we thought, oh, you know, I, I'd never been to a range before. And so uh, we popped ourselves in and it was really fun. Now, I did not expect to enjoy shooting rifles and, <laughs> um, and semi-automatics, but actually um, there was something kind of, mm, I don't know. Again, that was the first time I'd actually handled a gun, and it was relaxing. I would imagine it'd be very kind of visceral, but that's awesome. I've never had the privilege trying it. I don't know about you, babe. I don't want to say I've been dying to, but more and more I've been thinking about it. I'm like, look, I'm not necessarily the biggest pro-gun person, you know, far from it. But I figure, look, I'm shooting at a piece of paper in a controlled environment. That's probably as far as it goes for me. And it's one of those bucket list things. Like, you know what? I've never done it. And considering the look of glee on your face as you hold up your target, (laughs) 
<laughs> it looks like it could be a lot of fun. You know, it's a lot of fun. I would never want a gun in my own home. I would never. Right. I, I'm not into owning guns. But being on the range, like when you're in a controlled environment and you're just shooting at a target and you're just trying to be super focused. Again, it's actually there's something very there's something sort of relaxing about it in a, in a very weird way, at least for me. Again, under any other circumstance, I would not be relaxed at all. But, but <laughs> when you're just staring at a piece of paper and you're like in a, I don't know, in a, in a controlled environment, more or less. Yeah, I, I found it. I thought it was really a lot of fun. She was an awesome guest to have. And that was probably, I would think that was my first time on the show. Yeah, that was your first time on the show. And baby. that was uh, nerve wracking as hell on top of the fact that I was able to speak at length to someone that I admired and respected. And I'm not one to really idolize people and be all like, oh my God, and starstruck and whatever. But she, it was just really cool to meet her because even just her as a person, if um, you follow her online, she um, travels the world constantly and she's always in another country and sharing different kinds of food or different experiences. And, all, you know, all around, she's just this really, she's just so damn sweet. She's she really so is. so cute and she's gorgeous. And it was like, oh, if you weren't so damn sweet, I couldn't stand you. No, but she's really, you know, a, a really awesome woman and writer and, uh, it was just really great to kind of connect with her. And if it wasn't for this show, I wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to somebody that I greatly admired and respected. And it was really cool to be able to to do that and kind of be like, I talked to Marjorie Lou. Oh my freaking God. But it was <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so that but that was awesome. But it was also really cool to not only talk to some people we greatly admired, but also talk to some people that, you know, if you really think about it, and I mean, it may be a weird way to phrase it, it's that people who you, you know, wouldn't realize would then kind of come into prominence. And not in the way like, you know, you always kind of hope that the people you talk to and you meet, and you always wish them good luck. And you never know what's going to come from, you know, one moment to the next. But it has been something uh, a little fascinating to just then see people we've spoken to who have then gone on to, you know, continue their work and continue great work. And I, I think it's pretty awesome to see that progression, you know, because, you know, a lot of our guests are indie creators. And to kind of see their journeys almost in real time is something that I never saw before and to be able to kind of be a part of that and be part of their journey in some way and the fact that they were willing to sit down and talk to us and you know like i said i mean we were both starstruck with marjorie but kind of reading what we were saying before is the fact that at the end of the day they're creators but they're also people so to connect at that kind of human level it's like I, this is us mm -hmm. this is this is what we want to do and want to continue to do but um, speaking of irreverent stories, well, not even irreverent, but just also um, a really fun one, talking about moments that I loved on this show. Uh, Max Visaggio, whom you know as the uh, writer and creator of Kim and Kim, uh, through Black Mask, uh, Quantum Teens Are Go. Uh, and I think, actually, she's even worked on some stuff for uh, Marvel Secret Empire. She told this really, really great story about... Uh, Andrew Jackson, because um, she did write uh, this comic called Andrew Jackson in Space, which when you first hear that, you're probably thinking, <laughs> it's like, what an odd concept. But it was such an odd concept that I had to write. But then Max tells the story about Andrew Jackson, which kind of gives you a little bit of an idea as to why you kind of need to see that character in space. 
Can I tell one funny Andrew Jackson story real quick? Oh, like I said, you want to tell two more? Go ahead. Three more? Let's do this. Okay. But I've got one. This is my favorite one. So, dude comes up, and he's going to try to kill Andrew Jackson. He's going to assassinate Andrew Jackson while he's giving this speech. So, he jumps up on the podium, and he pulls out his gun. Now, unfortunately for him, it was a really humid day, and gunpowder back then sucked. And his gun didn't fire because it had gotten damp. But because he knew to anticipate this, he brought a backup. He immediately whips out a second gun. Same thing happens. So he's sitting there with two dead pistols and Andrew Jackson, who is like a million feet tall, staring him down. Andrew Jackson then pushes him off the stage and beats him nearly to death with his cane. In Holy front shit. of a, This is the sitting president of the United States. <laughs> see, see why I had to put him in space fighting robots? <laughs> Like, that's perfect. That's perfect. A drunken maniac in space. <laughs> See, like, I knew some of the stories. Like, I knew he was something, and I hate using the term, you know, especially politically because, you know, it's been overused. But I know he was something of a maverick when it came to just his personality. But, you know, I think without the context, it may be hard for people to kind of get that because, you know, you think Andrew Jackson, you know, there's usually two stories you hear of. And you're like, oh, I don't want to read a book about that guy. But now that you know the story of a man who beat someone during a speech, all of a sudden it becomes insane. With a cane while president. <laughs> and it's just imagine, like, after he's done, like, he's straightening out his clothes. There's probably blood splatter. <laughs> He's just like trying to compose himself, like, like as if no one saw this. <laughs> you know, I got to say, um, Andrew Jackson's face is no less weird than Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, see, for the record, though, no, both of those things are very badass. I love those. Matter you know, of fact, I didn't he just do one that was like Harry Tubman, like Demon Slayer or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are awesome. I like, you know, I like when they do history with a twist. <laughs> or the sense and sensibilities and zombies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one was dope as hell. <laughs> Love that one. I don't know. I mean, zombies are terrifying now. Imagine zombies back then when you don't have the technology to, like, blow them away. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, but they were also very keen on blunt instruments. So I think they probably would have had an easier time. Yeah, maybe. A lot of torches. <laughs> yeah. Zombies hate fire. There you go. <laughs> but I'm getting off time. I know. You're getting me going on about zombies. I don't and- know. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about the, the scene from Young Frankenstein where he's singing, putting <laughs> on the Ritz, and his finger catches fire. Putting <laughs> <laughs> on the Ritz. I digress. <laughs> but on that note, besides the odd stories and humor, I mean, one of my favorite aspects of the show is really being able to have creators on and basically giving the creators a forum to speak to other creators, to be able to share their trials and tribulations, what they're going through, what works for them, and passing on tips to other creators, whether people that are starting out or people that are already kind of in the thick of it. You know, we kind of give them that voice to be able to share, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. This is the stuff you got to look out for, or this is a good way to find an opportunity or, or tap into your creativity, whatever it is. I really love that about our show. And, you know, and I've yeah. said this before, and Jay Barker, he loved the question I had asked of, who do you want to be? That's, you know, a question we've always asked ourselves and struggled with. And that's something that, you know, I think other creators have probably gone through that as well. And they get a chance to kind of say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. They ask that question and they put that question out to everybody else. Kind of like, all right, this is who I am. How about you? 
Right. I think you asked that question. I believe that was, what, episode 62, I believe? Something like that. I can't remember when you had asked that question. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how, like, one simple comment kind of started, like, this whole thing. And I do know that, um, actually, even prior to the episode, you know, going on with that, uh, the idea of having creators be a resource for each other, mm-hmm. uh, Stan Cho, who, um, by the way, shout out to Stan, by the way, very awesome guy. Hey, Stan. Uh, just indispensable wisdom, like, blows my mind every time I talk to Stan. Because Stan had this great way of just speaking and just getting his point across. And he had this really great idea, um, I guess, basically about attendance and showing up. And it sounds like something, okay, that's something you'd only have to worry about in school, but it also works in a comic book community. And I want to uh, just run that through because I think what he said is something that's very important for all of us. And it's, it's just up to people to kind of experiment and um, not be afraid of trying something new and or being ridiculed. Because you will be ridiculed if you try something new in the comic industry. You know, everyone should just try new things, not be afraid, find people who who will support you, uh, you know, emotionally and creatively. There will always be people that will go against you. Right. I mean, everyone talks about how the comic industry is like all, you know, really nice people. But, um, you know, but let's be let's be honest, you know, the comic industry is just like any other industry. You're going to have all kinds of people and you will run across certain people who are great people, but not necessarily they don't have your best interests at heart. So it's really surrounding yourself with, um, you know, people who who have your best interests at heart, and um, you know, and just making sure to kind of, you know, keep bothering those people, and th- and thanking <laughs> those people along the way. You're right. There are a lot of different personality types. At the very least, you know, having a certain level of professionalism will carry you pretty far. And that's why I appreciated meeting you, among many others, was the fact that you treated me as a person. Matter of fact, I think we ran to each other again, I think, like, the next weekend at um, Eternal Con, because you had your table next to, I think it was Sully, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We spoke very briefly, but yet it was still very much like a, you know, almost like reconnecting as opposed to a, wait, who are you again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> Everyone out there, you know, don't take your memory for granted. It's, uh, it's slowly leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, mine's already leaving me and like I'll be 32 in October. And like I said, that's why I'm so glad to have Eileen because if it weren't for her to remind me of so many things, like, oh my God, like I'd, I'd be so lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, actually you kind of reminded me of something too there when you, when you said you met me at Eternal Con and it's something that's been on my mind. I've been wanting to put it into like a blog post, but it has to do with attendance. Like, you know, when you, when you go to school and they check your attendance and, it's such a big thing, you know. But I've been thinking about the comic industry as really rewarding people who have good attendance. And by attendance, I mean going to comic cons, going to like comic related events, just showing up makes all the difference. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to connect with you at Eternal Con if I hadn't shown up either with a table or just strolling around. It, it's crazy to think too that like as big as New York Comic Con is, how many people I run into that I know walking around. Like, out of all the corridors you can twist and turn around in New York Comic Con on the main show floor or in Artist Alley, I run into people that I should never run into. I've, I've run into people in huge, like, crowds of people at New York Comic Con. 
you know that big sea of people in front of the main show floor area. <laughs> yep, like absolutely. I've run into people there that I should I should not have run into just because I shouldn't even have noticed that they were there because <laughs> it's just so many people. But right, it it you just really have to just kind of just throw yourself into the sea of people, uh, into as many comic cons as you can, and just reconnect, 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 reconnect. Speaking of attendance. I just want to talk real quick about Special Edition NYC. I'm just going to come out and say it, you know, come what may. Losing that show might have been probably one of the biggest, I don't want to say blunders, but it was definitely a misstep in New York Comic Con's career. Now, as someone who's gone to that show for about a decade, because, yeah, because um, 2006 was like the first year, a little over a decade, actually. You know, and it's one of those shows where, you know, you have your big Marvel booth, you have your big DC booth. You know, you have Image, you know, I know Midtown has a big booth, you have your small press area, you have your gaming, everything's kind of spread out into sections that, you know, yeah, they're easy to access because you know where everything is, but sometimes it's hard for certain areas maybe to get noticed because unfortunately, like I said, when there's a lot of spectacle here, tables get obscured by like, you know, giant fixtures and things like that. It's the nature of a convention. Um, it's not necessarily a slight on anybody, but you know, there's so much to see, there's so much to experience. The beauty of Special Edition was, like, New York Comic Con essentially took that same Comic Con essence and thought, you know what? What if you took all of that spectacle and brought it back to grassroots? Brought it back to, like, old school Comic Con vibe? Which basically is you take one room and a couple other rooms for panels, but just have everybody at a table. And it was, like, kind of very small and very kind of subtle, but just very, like, eye-opening because I'm seeing creators who worked at, like, let's say, a big two publishing company, at someone who just started out, you know, and I'm seeing someone from Image, I'm seeing this one and this one, and basically everybody was on relative playing field. There was no Marvel section, there was no DC section. Everybody was just kind of on relative equal footing. Well, basically, what I loved about Special Edition was that it brought it back to what it really was about, and that was the comics and the creators. Not all the marketing, not all the toys and, you know, all that hoopla, but really was about comics and the people behind them. And they just got to all have a room. Everybody had their tables and there was no special section for this one or that one or the other thing. But you got to really just be pure comic community. Right. And you got to actually talk and interact with the people behind our heroes. And we got to actually, you know, interact and and talk to them and see them in action, actually drawing or writing, whatever. We actually got to get their thoughts on what was behind their comics and kind of listen to people make their own spiels. Like, hey, I see you got this book out. Tell me about it. Right. And actually got to kind of and, and do that. And I love the purity of this. I mean, it seems very simple, but it really was the true essence of what I think a con should be and what it used to be for New York Comic Con. And that's gotten lost. Yeah. And it could be that again. And again, this is we're not necessarily trying to rag on it too much, but I do, you know, to reiterate what Eileen was saying is bring special edition back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> simple as that. And I go back to, like, the first special edition, which, unfortunately, Eileen was not there for, but she was there for the second. But there is, don't worry, there's a correlation. I know I'm very witted. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, this was actually when Atlas and I still had our show, when special edition NYC happened the first time. I think that was 2014. 
It was actually held in what was Artist Alley of the Jacob Javits Center, which is where they normally hold near Comic-Con. And I remember talking to Jason Latour. I, he actually got to do a really good uh, drop for our show, which unfortunately, when we changed formats, um, couldn't use anymore, but it's really funny. As I was leaving Jason Latour's booth, I walk over to see this other guy. And I didn't know his name, but it already kind of struck me because he's... And I don't want to say well-dressed to make it look like no one else at Comic-Con's dress well, but he's, you know, very well-dressed for a typical Comic-Con crowd. So I walk over to him, and I just reach out to shake his hand, and he stops me. And he says, hold on. I see that you got Southern Bastards. I love that book. I'm going to tell you this. Go back, and I'm going to turn away potential sale. Go back to that table and buy the next couple issues. Trust me, because that book's crazy. You need to read the rest of it. And and I was like, I don't know what's going on. He was very convincing and, and very charismatic. <laughs> but you know what? I'm like, this guy clearly knows what he's doing. He's willing to put a, you know turn away somebody that could have easily bought a lot of his stuff to go pick up someone else's book. And I did. And I went back after he was done. I was like, all right, now that you've done that, and I met him. Matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, play something that he actually left for us uh, real quick. Adrian, congratulations on hitting 100 episodes of Adrian Has Issues. That's, like, phenomenal. That's incredible. When you brought me on for episode 5, I thought that was going to be, like, one of the highlights of all things, right? I mean, who wouldn't think that? I mean, it's, it's me, right? Like, that's supposed to be something special. But 100! Dude, that's so incredible. Like, that beats everything. That's so awesome. The only thing better than that would be, like, 200. So, let's... In, let's say, 100 weeks, let's have that same conversation about how amazing you are because you are still pushing, you're still working, you're still getting stuff out there, and that's fantastic. Congratulations on 100 episodes, my friend. Good job. Now, I tell that story for a reason. Because I always go back to that moment as not even necessarily what we had anything to do with, but why I love comics as a community. It's easy for someone to then just be like, hey, I'm me, buy my stuff. But to literally be able to tell someone, hey, there's someone else out there who's got really good stuff too. You should check that stuff out. To be able to support each other, and not just because it's like they feel that they have to, but to generally get behind what they're doing. And I think that's why Eileen and I love doing this because we mm-hmm. love that community. The fact that they're so willing to share not only their own books and their own stories and their own projects, but they're always looking out for each other. And that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So going back to Dandridge, um, this is now second special edition NYC. Which was, what, a month or two after I had had knee surgery Um, after, not even an accident. I was literally just walking and, like, tore my meniscus pretty fierce. And so that second special edition, um, we were in a completely different area. Where it's, like, Pier 94 in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Not nearly as air-conditioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, very hot. Um, very odd settings for a Comic-Con. But you know what, though? Everybody who was there worked that thing like it was San Diego. And it was cool because then we got to catch up with some other people. Um, I met someone else, um, James Emmett, uh, through the guys at Wayward Raven. And I actually got to do a really cool interview with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, meeting new people. DMC! Oh my God! It was awesome! And he is, oh my God, consummate showman. Is like, even in comics, 
he's still the greatest. <laughs> and somehow he's like, I can brag I'm the greatest. And somehow he's still humble, which is the weirdest dichotomy. You don't know how he, I don't know how he pulls that off. <laughs> yeah, that amazing. one was kind of, you know, talk about starstruck. Cause I don't know if that was maybe like what Marjorie Lou was for you, but. No, I mean, he was shit. I mean, this is fucking Ryan DMC. I mean, excuse my French, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So seeing DMC and if it, if only like they were there together. Oh my God. With Jam Master J, rest in peace. I would have Who's lost Jay? my shit because it's like oh, they God. were just monumental in terms of music and just what they did for not only just hip hop, but even just rock. Yeah. If you really think about it, they before a lot of other people bridged the gap that that gap was just massive. There I mean, was... honestly, I didn't know about Aerosmith until they did that song with them. And a lot of people didn't know about Run DMC until otherwise. So it's like, yeah. So I mean, I mean, because I was, I was a Harlem girl. We didn't listen to Aerosmith, you know. <laughs> but Run DMC definitely, and that was, you know, my kind of introduction into into that side. And it was like, who the hell is this guy in tights with his scarves and shit? <laughs> but the so song many scarves, worked. so many scarves. He's got about as many scars as Cable has pouches. Oh my god, I can't, I can't. He must just have a closet just for scarves, like. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> Freaking runs. <laughs> yeah, like, and the fact that DMC, you know, when he did that panel and he's talking about like all these years of, you know, between rapping and performing mm. and reading these comics and then connecting that. And I'm like, comics are fucking amazing. Talking about connections and bridging gaps. And it's like mm-hmm. these things that some people see as just flimsy pieces of paper with balloons mm-hmm. mean like the world to so many people and to be able to tap into that is awesome even at a level where here's a guy who's you know toured the world and like you know was an icon but yet still like you know what i want to make a comic book because i have a story i want to tell and we heard him on the panel you know his first love was actually art it was his first love was actually drawing and back in the hood, back in the day, I mean, I'm dating myself, you know, as a child of the 80s, but, you know, everybody in the hood, everybody was tagging walls and doing their graffiti and everybody had a sketchbook and you would do your graffiti. But a lot of them also would co- do a lot of comic books or would copy their favorite comic images. So you had guys, you know, copying pages out of Superman or Spider-Man or whatever. And Daryl, he did that too and he would draw all the time and then he kind of got into the hip-hop game and he thought it was just kind of like all right i'm gonna show up and i'm gonna you know bust a few rhymes and then i'm gonna go back to drawing and then they're like no you gotta go tour and you gotta do photo shoots and you gotta do all this stuff and it was like oh i thought i was just kind of gonna i'm gonna perform and i'm gonna go back home yeah and i'm gonna draw (laughs) but he had to kind of go with the hip-hop thing while you know while he could but his first love really was that art. So now that he was able to, he went back and he makes his own comics and, and writes his own comic book. And on a massive level, it's not even the size of a regular comic book. It has to be extra mega freaking comic that doesn't even fit in your long box. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked to him and as much as he could be like, yes, I'm the greatest and I'm awesome. He was like the humblest, sweetest guy. And he would talk to you, shake your hand and talk to you like you're one of his boys, you know. And that second special edition like i said weird venue aside really changed the trajectory of this very podcast i don't think it was the same panel i think it was one of the later ones because mm-hmm. i think it was a um diversity in comics panel uh-huh. and it's funny we ran into dandridge again the reason why i brought up the knee surgery thing is i was in a massive amount of pain that day and i was yeah. i did not take pain kills i was basically taking like ibuprofen or something like that so there's one point afterwards 
I'm literally just sitting in like the back of they're not even panel rooms. They just had kind of curtains up that are sectioned off. But we're sitting in the back of that area, just sitting down, trying to catch a breather. And as always, one of my favorite convention snacks, which is funny that we're saying that, despite the fact that we just did this whole uh, blog about um, eating healthy snacks at a convention. <laughs> so you don't get, I'm sitting there knocking back a full throttle. I'm sorry. I showed up with gummy worms and gummy bears. Cause no, because they're amazing. <laughs> that is the only reason that they're tasty and amazing. And everybody should eat them unless you have some sort of, you know, right. aversion and, to them. And you don't need a cooler for them. So, yeah. Right, exactly. So... <laughs> And it was cool because, again, you know, reconnecting with Vic and, you know, he sits down with us. Any sort of creator, anybody in the world, like, you know, you interact with them, you know, you might buy a comic, you might, you know, share them. And they can say, you know, thanks for that, but you may never see them again. To have someone who's actively working and probably much busier than the guy who's podcasting, Mm. to be able to sit down and talk with you, even for like five minutes, it meant so much. Because it reinforced that idea of we are connecting as not only just creators or people in any type of industry, but just as people. And at the end of it, he hands me a card. And he's like, there's this thing going on with some friends of mine. You should go. And I remember saying to myself, why should I be there? It's like, you know, because most times you think about Comic-Con after parties. It's always like, oh, IGN after party. And it's like, all these celebrities are there and invite only and always exclusive club and you're not famous enough to go there, but it's awesome. We're going to tell you about it, but you can't show up. But he's like, yes, you should go to this thing. But why would I go? I'm nobody, in, you know, necessarily popular or even in comics. But he's like, look, you have a podcast, right? He's like, yeah. It's like, you talk about comics, right? It's like, you're the member of the comic industry. All right. You know, we'll go. I'll tell you what. We're hungry anyway. They got, <laughs> they got food. They got beer. What else do you really need? And their seats. No, but I mean that really was an epiphany moment. I kind of we're part of the industry. We're part of the community. Well, and- I didn't realize that until later on. Like that happened. I think I didn't really look back at that until after really that event. Because then we went there. You know, we sat down. We met, and this is where we met. You know, Jay, mm-hmm. Jay Barker. You know, that's where we met Stan. And I think I probably saw Johnny C. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's funny because you know the, the picture. Matter of fact, the episode we did. I think it's entitled "Thanks." It was like our Thanksgiving themed mm-hmm. episode. The picture of us there, that's actually taken at that special edition. And it's funny because now other people from that same event were posting pictures reminiscing. And it's like, oh, so it's us, but from other angles. Because mm-hmm. then you look in the background, it's like, oh, that's where you guys were. Because it's like, <laughs> we didn't meet them for later on. It's like they were there, but it's like, oh, it's funny. It's like we wouldn't have talked to them otherwise, but they're there in the background. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. Like you said, that moment changed the show and it changed our really our lives and we realized that yes we were interviewing comic creators whatever but we were able to just just sit down enjoy a drink you know have food and just like i said hang out and connect and not just for marketing reasons not just for sales anything like that but just really getting the word out there that these people are telling fantastic stories whether they end up at a big publisher or not, maybe their book can get in the hands of somebody and change their life. Much like when my father handed me my first comic, he's like, hey, read this. Mm-hmm. Then would get mad at me because I spent all my money on comics. But, <laughs> you know, when he handed me that copy of uh, Spider-Man, I can't remember which one it was, I think, or no, was it? I can't even remember. But basically, Black Panther was in it. Mm. And he's like, 
you need to read this. And it's like, well, my father's everything is like, you need to read this. Much like, oh, Star Wars <laughs> is on. You need to see this movie. <laughs> Carmen, you need to see this. And I'm like, these people are singing weird. It's opera. I don't get opera. But I'm like, then years later, I'm like, holy shit, that was important. <laughs> yeah. But much like getting that first book in my hand and having my whole world open up, that could be that for somebody else. And not even just a kid, an adult. Because something that, you know, like I said, with Marjorie Lou, mm-hmm. with Victor, like DMC, or even just like anybody else, we're meeting people and they're changing our lives for the better. Mm-hmm. And we hope in our small way we can do that to somebody else. And talking about lives change, going back to Creator After Con, um, which again, big shout out to uh, J. Jacob Barker and Jeff Ryder, you know, uh, Stan, I guess one of the founding fathers, Steve Petrovelli, Johnny C. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many of you guys, um, who we've met at these events who. Sebastian. Seb- oh, yep. I still, I still, uh, you know, the beer and wings outing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard there's a wing shortage, so we better hurry up on that. Oh, we really gotta hurry up on that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, after I basically tore through a whole thing of wings, yeah, like, oh, there's a wing shortage. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, these things are like blood diamonds what? now. We gotta. <laughs> Well, you go sit there and savor it? Yes, literally eat it bit by bit, day by day, freeze them in a thaw. I'm like, you know how important that is? That's that's frightening. Well, Now I know the world's ending. Oh, I could tell you that. But yeah, so many great people that we met at that, that AfterCon event. And yes, definitely shout out to Creator AfterCon Network. And everybody who's been involved in that and bringing that together. And for those of you who don't know, that really is a f- way to basically bring other creators together, you know, in a very informal setting to kind of be like, hey, this is an artist, this is a writer, this one's a letterer, whatever it is. Hey, I got this idea. I'm looking for somebody to do this. Oh, well, you know what? There's this guy over here that would be perfect for you. And really kind of provide a network for different people to come together that may not otherwise get to. And that event, I think, was life-changing for both of us, really. Because we got to kind of connect with people in the community, in the comic community, on a level that we wouldn't otherwise. And they welcomed us with open arms, you know. And and we realized, damn, you know, we really are part of this. And I know for me... And I've said this before, kind of being, uh, you know, newbie into the comic community and just that whole culture. That was a definite turning point for me, special edition and creator after con to kind of see what all of this was about and kind of the people behind it and realizing there are so many untold stories and there are so many, your idea of what a comic book person looks like is very different than what right. the reality is. And um, just, you know, the hustle and everything behind it. And it's fascinating. And it's still fascinating for me. So our show being able to kind of talk to these people and kind of put that out there for everybody else is like, I just found out this cool thing about this cool person and whatever. And you need to hear it too. You know, you (laughs) need to know this. You need to, you know. And maybe not everybody, you know, listening can have that opportunity that we got to. But if we, you can't do it, at least I can share it with you and be like, hey, right. you've got to hear this, you know, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, that event also strengthened our relationship. Yeah. Like, because we realized, like, I mean, yeah, we we're a couple, but then it's like, oh, we all of a sudden we became team. 
That's right. Well, granted, <laughs> we became a team podcast. We became what was it? it was uh, what was the joke? Idea man and logistic girl. Yes, which was which episode number was that? <laughs> I think that was like sixteen or seventeen. Like Some that. It was actually an episode. Yeah, I got. I'm still waiting for my cape. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, no capes. Remember Incredibles? No capes. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I want to go back to the JJ Jacob Parker story, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like it's funny how there's layers to this. Mm-hmm. Because not too long after all that, um, he actually came on a show, and what originally was gonna be about was getting his backstory, and we did that. We're actually here in merry old Long Island, um, at a local mall. And we basically just came in, microphones and just my recorder, and we just had a chat. And we're just, you know, we're telling our stories like we often do on this podcast. Um, some of you will notice that halfway through, and we didn't address it directly, but, um, we kind of got approached by security, whom I guess thought maybe a little bit different. It's like, cause I'm like, oh, you know, hey, we're recording a podcast talking about comics and art. I guess maybe this guy thought something different about us. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to go into his entire mindset, but it was a very tense situation because I'm thinking to myself, you know, we're just two adults having a conversation. But I guess once he saw that there were microphones involved, I guess it was a little bit different. And the dynamic changed. We realized two things. One, the world isn't nearly as fair as we make it out to be. And unfortunately, you know, there's a certain perception of people and how they look and how they are that, unfortunately, people will respond to negatively just for the sheer purpose of you being there. And I understand it was a very odd setup, and that's something you probably wouldn't see in most certain situations. But how it was handled was, it was like I said, it was just very tense. And that could have changed everything. How I reacted to, to this gentleman, to my guest... Everything could have changed, but we kind of did this thing that, you know, they'd tell us to do, but we really reflected and spoke on it. And when we went back to the second half of the podcast, the show became real. And we really talked about the fact that what just happened is kind of a reason why we want to do what we do is that we want to change people's minds. And not in a way of, like, make them better consumers or sell more stuff, but more of realizing that, you know what, we're all people and the world doesn't have to be this terrible place that it's often presented to be. And we, I think, got closer as a result, but also just realizing, like, we could have done anything differently. And who knows what would have happened. And if I had behaved a certain way or if, you know... Guess did you know it would have something different could have happened out of that something very negative but in a way i actually after being very angry and mm-hmm. ranting and rambling in private i actually wanted like i actually thanked that guy because he sort of made that conversation much more important and a lot more real than what it could have been and i'm not saying i want to have that happen again mm. but it became like that thing of Sometimes they just got to let the conversation go where it goes, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, and again, Jay, like, I, I apologize, but I had to tell that story because I think it was an important one, realizing that we can also connect on some not-so-great levels. And we've seen that, unfortunately, on social networking and online where people can behave very aggressively for whatever the reason is. But we want to show the world that comics and the comics community are not that. That 
at large, they are a very giving and wonderful group of people who just all want to share their stories. And there's enough room at that table that, you know, at the risk of sounding a little hippie-ish, that we can all get together and do that. And naturally address situations and, you know, put down a motherfucker if you have to. <laughs> but do it in a constructive manner where you're not necessarily harmed, but just being like, we're better than this. We're stronger than this. The community, when they come together, when they're defending each other and supporting each other, it's a beautiful thing. What I took out of that, too, was that, you know, you said, you know, we want to show what we're about, what the community is. The community is not one face. It's not one theme. It's not just superheroes. You know, it's a diverse community. It's multifaceted. And we are multifaceted. And we get a chance to really show that, hey, comics are not just this thing these books you hide under your bed because your parents think is rotting your brain and it's just superheroes and nonsense and whatever the comic community the comic industry the 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 books the stories that are told are just as diverse and multifaceted and serious or funny or imaginative as any novel, any non-animated book that's out there. Right. They're the same thing. They're, they're telling the same stories, but they just have pictures. They are all valid, incredible stories to tell. And I think that that's kind of what my takeaway and what our mission kind of is in this show is to kind of really show all those facets so, and that it really is a, a universe and we can all coexist in this same world together if people pull their heads out of their asses i'm sorry no (laughs) you know you know but just you know be open to that and and because if you don't you're you're missing out on so much in a way i wanted this episode to be a lot of different things and i wanted to do so much and i got caught up if i can be truly honest because i wanted spectacle and because it's like, it's my 100th episode. I've never had 100 of anything except for copies of the New Mutants. But, and it's funny, the New Mutants, which is an X-Men title from the 80s, Chris Claremont, was probably, and still is, my favorite comic book series of all time. Because you got to see young people generally grow, which is something you don't see in a lot of superhero books. They exist for a time, they may die, they may come back again, but you never really get to see characters really progressed that way and the book only lasted 100 issues but their entire lives were constantly chained for the better for the worse to be you know they're just batshit insane and i always kind of felt that like for a while for reasons you know i won't articulate is that 100 was going to be the end because i wanted this show to be like the new mutants where it existed at this thing and it was it it's it's done. But I realizing I'm not done because like Eileen just said, there's so many stories that are being told that we need to share. I I try not to harp on it too much, but it could be very rough. Life is rough. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our comics creators on a day-to-day basis, you know, they fight battles both publicly and privately. They're out there doing their damnedest to put these stories out there. And within reason, but doing whatever it takes to make sure that they're sharing their lives and putting themselves out there and doing that's not easy. And I think it'd be selfish of me to just stop because I'm worried that maybe I'm doing it a disservice. 
So, if anything, yes, this may be the end of a chapter of Agent Has Issues, but you know what? The next 100 will be another. And honestly, I hope that in some small way, we continue to basically do the work that is be a part of this community and share as much as we can. That's really it for me, and I'm going to let Eileen speak, but um, after we say our goodbyes, I'm going to play a little something that I didn't even realize Eileen had done. <laughs> and I mean, this is our hundredth episode, and I know that you are driving yourself crazy trying to somehow make this this spectacular thing, and we didn't want to disappoint. Everybody was asking, "What are you doing for your one hundred? What are you doing for your one hundredth?" And it was like, "Well, shit! Now we gotta like do something, like you know, jump the shark and shit, <laughs> you know." But then it was like, you know what? When it comes down to it, what are we about? And it really was about all of you. Yeah. So, you know, I I reached out to our people and kind of said, hey, we're reaching this milestone. Life's been hard and upheaval and crazy. And we haven't gotten to do this magnum opus <laughs> that we <laughs> were planning. But I wanted to make it special. And it was like, hey, would you kind of want to be a part of that? The response I got, that we got back, was incredible. And all I can say is I love all of you very much. And I'm so grateful for all that you've contributed to the community, to our lives, to the show, to just being you. And if nothing else from this I've gotten from this show is that I've got to meet some amazing, amazing people and and many of them we, we now get to call friend. And there's nothing better than that. And if nothing else, we did something or we set out to do something that not even just other people said we couldn't do. That sometimes or most times I say I couldn't do. And again, I, I know that sounds so weird to say because it's like that's something that we often don't say out loud, but I figured, you know what, at this point, after 100 episodes, if I can't be honest, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Everybody deals with fear and insecurity and whatever, and all the creators, everybody second guesses themselves. And we all want to do our best, and we're all afraid of disappointing. But at the end of the day, the only thing we could do is do the best we can, tell our stories, and someone will listen. Someone will see us. And they're the ones that count. And thank you. Thank you so much for helping us get here. We know it took a long time coming, but uh, we made it. And whatever our future holds, whatever incarnation of this show is, know that we couldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And thank you so much. And I hope to see you all again, maybe for another 100. But if not, just know that we will do whatever we can to help support the people who have given us so much. That'll do it for this 100th episode of Adrian Has Issues. And, well, I'm not even going to, well, see you next issue, but at the same time. Keep listening. Thank you. Also, the post credit scene sets up the Adrian Has Issues cinematic universe. We're doing sequels. And then we're going to fight Thanos. Hey, Adrian, it's Stephen Petrovelli, and I am here to do a couple things. Of course, one, congratulate you on 100 spectacular episodes of Adrian Has Issues, and two, to shower you with compliments. For those of you who listen to the show, you know that Adrian will always make the guest the star. 
and he rarely likes to take congratulations and he's a very humble guy. So I am here because he can't stop me to shower him with compliments. Adrian, uh, you're not only someone that I see as a peer, but someone I see as a close friend in the comics community. And I don't see that friendship ending anytime soon, especially with our combined love of, of course, comics, but also of Power Rangers. And anyone who's listened with any episode with us on it, uh, Power Rangers always seems to find its way to come up. And now he's interviewed a Red Ranger, which is just nuts. But, you know, congratulations on that. And talking about guests, you know, no matter who the guest is, whether it's the Red Power Ranger or someone who is their very first time on a podcast and they just self-published, uh, you know, their first comic, Adrian makes them feel like a star. And he does that by doing some of the best interviewing, I think, being done in, in podcasting today. He has this innate sensibility of interviewing where he can just pull the passion out of someone and he does that with with thought-provoking questions that i think a lot of the guests you know never really think about and when he does that it you know makes the guests think more and makes for a more interesting interview and of course a more interesting episode and i don't know if it's all research that he does or if he's just that damn smart he just has this ability to just create a fascinating interview no matter what you're talking about. You know, I think you could have a guy on there talking about sliced bread and Adrian could make you care about it because he's going to make the person who is talking about it bring out the passion and that's going to make the listener care about it. So Adrian, I don't want to go on too long, but thank you for having me on your show a thousand times over. Thank you for a hundred spectacular episodes. Thank you for being a good friend, and I'm excited for the next 100 episodes. I know that seems daunting, but we always talk about it at Creator AfterCon. There needs to be these beacons of light for new creators to come in and not be afraid to spread their wings and get exposure and try something new, and you have been so nice to me and other creators um, to be their first podcast and i am proud to say that my first podcast was adrian has issues and i know there are many people out there who can say the same thing so keep making podcasts and keep making new creators look like stars because you're damn good at it i love you buddy and congratulations Hello, this is Mira Mortal wanting to wish Adrian and Eileen a happy 100th episode of Adrian Has Issues podcast. It was an absolute pleasure being on your show and hope to do it again. And I really want to hang out at a con sometime and you two are my booze. So happy, happy, happy 100th and many, many more. Hey Adrian, it's Alex from the comics Decades of Inexperience and Mr. Butterchips wishing you and Eileen a very happy 100th episode. Thank you so much for inviting me into the Adrian Has Issues family and for providing such an enjoyable interview. Here's to the next 100, my friend. Hey, Adrian, it's Bergie. Congratulations on 100 episodes of this awesome show. What you've done in this time is commendable. You've given a voice and platform to some amazing independent artists, entertaining an expert analysis of pop culture, and even let this weird girl try and spread the religion of hockey to the masses. You've accomplished so much while being a wonderful friend to boot. This is just the beginning for Adrian Has Issues, and I, for one, cannot wait to see where it goes. Much love, and let's go Blues. 
Hey Adrian, it's Donna G from Twitter. I heard that it was your 100th episode for your podcast. Congratulations. I'm so happy I got to meet you. You're such a great guy. Bye. Adrian, it's Jay. These two short years have been a crazy ride, but our journey ain't over. You've got to strap up and buckle down to get through those tough and rough times. I know it is true for me as much as it is for you. That's why we got to see our adventure through or let the legacy die here and now. Hello, this is James Emmett, the editor of 451 and the writer-illustrator of the committee from Wayward Raven. I just wanted to congratulate Adrian on his 100th episode. Congratulations, Adrian. You are awesome and have given us all a ton of issues. Am I right? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Adrian. It's Jeff Ryder of Cloud Wrangler Comics. Congratulations on 100 episodes of the pod, man. That's dope. Everybody, if y'all really want a guy to spend many, many hours with outside a bar in New York City in the middle of the night debating whether or not Tim Drake is the greatest Robin, and let's be real, there's no debate, he is, then Adrian is totally your guy. He's great, and we're super proud of him. Way to go, Adrian. Hey, it's Johnny C, and we wanted to say a big congratulations to Adrian Has Issues for hitting 100 episodes Thank you for everything you guys do, shining a spotlight on all of us independent creators and uh, working hard to get the word out about our work. We appreciate you so very much. Uh, you know, it's been 100 episodes. Hopefully, it'll be hundreds more. And hopefully, we have many more nights uh, in smoky coves in the streets of New York. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Adrian. Hey Adrian, this is Justin from Mind Fudge Comedy Podcast, formerly from Comical Podcast. I uh, just wanted to say congratulations on hitting 100 episodes, man. That's a huge accomplishment, and uh, you worked really hard to get here. And I know what it feels like. That's a it's a big deal. So congratulations so much, man. And uh, here's to another hundred. I'm looking forward to it. Hey Adrian, uh, this is Justin. I wish you the best with everything. I wish you the best with the podcast, and I hope to talk to you soon, buddy. See you at NYCC. Take care. Wow! A hundred episodes of Adrian Has Issues. Now, I can't think of a better way to celebrate a hundred episodes than with a roast. Now, you might be asking yourself, how are you going to roast somebody like Adrian, who is sweet and kind and all-around good guy? Well, here we go. Nah, just fucking with you. Adrian... Congratulations on 100 episodes. You deserve all your success. And here's to 100 more. Cheers, my friend. Hey, guys. I just wanted to say happy 100th show. I am so proud of you all. You're amazing and wonderful people. And I wish you a very happy 100 more. Yo, Adrian and Eileen. This is Alex from Wayward Raven Media. Just wanted to say congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. It's been a blast knowing you guys for as long as I've known you and finally actually being on the show, which was an honor, and I'm hoping to do it again. In fact, I know we've been tossing around some ideas specifically related to uh, a certain game franchise that I think we all like. Definitely hit me up on that, but hope to see you guys at the next show, and I can't wait for the next episode. Love you guys and can't wait for episode 200. 
Hi, Adrian. This is Ea Rayos from Puerto Rico. I hope you're having an amazing day. And just to let you know that you're the most amazing person I have ever met. Not in person, but in the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, keep being awesome. I wish I could meet you someday in person. Sometime I'll go to New York and I'll meet everybody and Elaine and everybody. Thank you for always being there with us and have a great day. Bye. This is Sebastian Bonet. And I want to give a special shout out to Adrian Has Issues for their 100th episode. You and Eileen are awesome. Your many friends and fans know this and appreciate you guys. To another 100 episodes, to Bear and Wings. And in case you listeners are wondering, Adrian Has Issues. Rock on, brother. Hey guys, this is a shout out from Critical Thinking Podcast to our bro from New Jersey. You know who that is? Adrian. Adrian who? Has issues. I know he does. (laughs) (laughs) He needs to see a doctor. (laughs) We had him on a show for us. It was really good. Yes, we did. It It was a great thing. Adrian is a great guy. I remember the first time I actually met Adrian a long, long time ago. Well, I'd never met him personally, but uh, when I was on Comical and I did a bunch of stuff with him, he was, he's a funny guy. I really do enjoy him. I think he's a standout dude. Uh, dude, hopefully I get to see you and hang out with you someday when we make it up to New York City Comic Con and we'll hang and chill and have, have a pint together or something. Mm-hmm. What do you think there, Sean? I say we need more than a pint. We'll get a barrel. That's right. <laughs> the Irish, time of it. The Irish are coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, Adrian, uh, like, wasn't too far ago. It was Miguel and I. We gave you a call while we were in the car and Miguel started yelling, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And knowing Adrian is like, we're on the phone. Adrian's like, what the hell are you talking about? There's a guy going the wrong way on the road, and Michael's yelling. He's always showing road rage on the road with somebody else on the phone. I'm there like, was, what the? There was no road rage. <laughs> it was just kind of funny at the time because, Adrian, you, you had that sound on your voice. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he was like, who is this? <laughs> it's me, man. Come on. Yeah, so happy 100th episode, Adrian, and hope you keep rolling, brother. Yeah, man. Keep it going, dude. It's an amazing show. Uh, you're a great guy. Well, yeah, you're a great guy, though. Everything, uh, like I said, we had fun with you on the show. Uh, hopefully, we do get to meet you. Yep, and uh, we're probably going to invite you back on here pretty soon again. So uh, be ready for that call from Critical Thinking Podcast, the podcast that likes to touch. And but on behalf of Kyle, he also is happy for your 100th episode. Yeah, congratulations, bro.
It's a secret. What's a secret? Oh. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Eileen. A hundred episodes? Get out of here! That was Mike Patton, and this is Ben Cohen, signing off to make more comics. Enjoy your day. Bye.